Let's rock. This will be fun. So we are live. Um, this is a Goat District uh, Millie Billy special. Um, I have with me uh, Chris Vaccaro and Nelson Sousa. Uh, anybody who plays high stakes, these guys don't really need much uh, of an introduction. Uh, how you guys feeling today? I'm feeling great. Long weekend in New York City. It was great catching up with everybody. We uh, we battled it out for a couple of days, and uh, it, you know it was iron sharpening iron. And all weekend in New York. Awesome. Well, let's get ready to run. You know the Pope listens Dynasty our religion For the blokes missing On all of these trades On all of these plays On all of these grades By the end of the day Y'all getting played So what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex Send the homie a text That trash offers the best You try to make it complex Then they text you back Now all of a sudden They don't make any sense <laughs> Broaden your horizons boy Dynasty's not for the Simons boy these trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T district, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I always be trading. Trading. And I always be trading. Trading. And I always be trading. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Fish. So appreciate you guys both coming on. Um, yeah, we just drafted in New York City this past weekend. Um, I drafted four teams yesterday. Um, I think Nelson, you were at four yesterday. I had uh, what did I have? Five, five yesterday. Five. And Chris, you were you did the the double auction on Friday, and then then drafted the super, and then I'm sure you you snuck a couple in yesterday as well. Yeah, I uh, we had the early morning classic, that fourteen team classic, and then I came home. I did my bullet, and I did a ten p.m. prime time. So I had three back to back days, and uh, we love it, man. Right? Don't we love it? We can't get enough drafting. There's not enough hours in the day right now to get in our drafts. It's fa- it's fantastic. Um, this is this time of year is just like high stress, high excitement. Um, you're trying to get them in right before the season. I mean, there's absolutely nothing better. And I really appreciate um, all the, the people I got to connect with um, live this weekend in New York City. Um, had a lot of kind words about the GOAT District. Um, I, I'd like to think that we are trying to help uh, promote um, the best players in the industry um, and try to give a voice to them um, as much as we can. And, and we, um, you know, we really value you guys listening to us. Um, so Chris and Nelson are, are fantastic players, um, two of the sharpest minds around. Um, in high stakes, and they're also putting out tremendous content. Um, Nelson, maybe you could tell people where they can find you and what you have planned for the season. Yeah, so uh, I'm at a FTN Fantasy, and it's, uh, you know, besides season long, it's a huge, you know, DFS site, um, also sports betting uh, advice, um, a lot of great, uh, talented individuals there at FTN Fantasy. Uh, but for me right now, I'm, I'm just, you know, getting ready for, um, the season. So 
still drafting, you know, uh, a lot of subscribers still have drafts left over. So, you know, in, in the discord chat, just talking about draft strategy, draft flow, um, you know, talking about particular players, whether to be on them or off of them. And then I actually, this morning just got started on my fab article. Um, so it's, it's called Nelson's notebook and it's basically, um, just a fab breakdown of, you know, targets, uh, guys to pick up and how much to bid on them and, and things like that. So working on that because we, we have uh, preseason waivers coming up. We absolutely do. And, and don't remind me because I've got to sit down at a computer for maybe about three hours later tonight and try to get a little work in um, after the kids go to bed. Um, highly recommend Nelson's work. Um, I split teams with Nelson. Um, he's a friend of mine. But he is one of the sharpest uh, people in the industry. And his waiver wire article, I write a waiver wire article, um, and I think I do a good job. But what Nelson does specifically is if you play in these high stakes formats, he is writing a waiver specifically for you. Um, there's some correlation for for the for the you know the home league guy. Uh, if Nelson puts a 50% next to a guy, absolutely unload on him. But if you play NFFC, FFWC, FFPC, um, or very, very high stakes, deep formats. There's no better person around, um, I think, in the country for, for waivers uh, than Nelson's notebook. Um, and you're going to do some some more pods uh, this year as well, Nelson. How often are those dropping? Yeah, uh, I'm hoping to do that with Maddie Davis on a weekly basis. So we just got to get together and, and see what day is going to work best for us. And it's just going to be, you know, week to week. Just talking about the Sunday games and you know the other games uh, going on and what what we noticed uh, stuff like that. Awesome, awesome. We're looking forward to it. And then uh, we have Chris Vaccaro, um, who is tremendous player. Um, he's one of the one of the the innovators of the zero RB strategy. Um, he took down major titles with it. Um, he does tremendous work on the athletic. Uh, he has a wonderful podcast with uh, Nando Dofino. And he also writes uh, a weekly article that is just fire um, where we, he really dives into the high stakes. Uh, Chris, maybe tell a little bit uh, to the people about what to expect from you guys when you're dropping the pod this year, what it's going to be like, and then your written work. Yeah, uh, over at The Athletic, fourth year now. Uh, gives me a nice platform to reach out to the people. Uh, I love it. Um, I get to do my weekly podcast like you said, Theo, with uh, Nando Defino, we have a good time. Um, you know, we're we're close friends outside of you know the industry. Uh, we have been for a while now, so you know it's just two friends chopping it up for an hour every week. We, uh, our podcast, we do it every Wednesday morning, and uh, the show comes out you know Wednesday afternoon. So you know, just in time for you, you know, the people running their waivers on Wednesday night and setting their lineups for the following week. Um, so that's every Wednesday. And then uh, my article comes out every Thursday morning, just in time for the following week preview of the week ahead and a little bit of a look back for um, the, the prior week, things to, uh, to come. So yeah, that's where you could catch me all year long. Awesome. Awesome. So we had a chance to compete against Nelson and I split a team in the New York super this past Friday night. We also split a team the following morning in the New York 14-team Super, which is a new format, which was very competitive as well. Uh, but the New York Super really, really hits different. Um, I know you guys have been in this league a lot longer than I have. Um, maybe you could each share a little bit 
about the league and the importance that it has, not only for the NFFC, but for high stakes football uh, in general. Want to take that one, Nelson? Or? I, I don't even know what to say. I, yeah. I I'll, Actually, I'll let you go first um, because it it's tough. Um, yeah. I'll let you describe it, and, and then I'll try to put it in my words, too. Well, I'll give it a little bit of a history. You know, we've been doing this league for a while. Um, you know, I think maybe 2013, 2014 it started in New York uh, to put together the Super League. Um, you know, there are – leagues in the uh, high stakes industry that are dollar amount more, but it just seemed like the best players on the East coast uh, would gravitate to this league since the beginning. And uh, it just took on a, you know, it just took on a, you know, a something of its own, you know, through the, these years. Um, and it's, you know, it's broadcast on Sirius XM every year, probably for the last six or seven years. Andy Saxton does a great job putting it all together um, really getting some hype behind it. And uh, it's the best competition you can, you know, find. Everybody comes back year in and year out for it. Uh, it's got now, I think, five Hall of Famers in the league. It's got, you know, uh, it, besides guys that are more than well-deserving, uh, such as you guys and Glenn Lowy. Um, it's just the best drafters you can find, in, in my opinion. And uh, we all do this every year in New York, and it's the highlight of, the weekend, in my opinion. Yeah, it's, it's tremendous. I, I think it's got a, like a, it's almost got like this home league, um, like a local league type of feel to it, just because of the camaraderie. Everybody knows each other. Everyone's, you know, talking and uh, very laid back. But then like when the clock goes on and that first pick is up, it's like it's the best players, you know, I think like on the East coast that are, are like in that league and it's like a grind. It's, mm -hmm. I haven't experienced anything like it. You know, once in a while you get in like a, a, a main event with online that is like made up of like eight or nine guys that are just, it's like brutal where there's no value falling guys are, are reaching for their players that they like. So you know, they don't fall. It, it's just, um, and then there's strategy behind it because. That's what I was going to just say. Yeah. Yeah. Where if you have like six guys, like half the league going after wide receivers because, you know, wide receiver dries up after a certain tier, there's a drop mm -hmm. and you have six of them doing it all at the same time. If you're if you get caught with your pants down where you you take like two running backs and a tight end to start your draft and it, there's nothing wrong with it like you you could pick two very good running backs and and a very good tight end and it looks good on paper but man by by the seventh round you're scratching your head like you know because you got to start three wide receivers so yeah. you're scratching your head just wondering like you know how am I gonna make this work so. That's that's my takeaway from it is that it, it's like no other league. You you really have to be like on your toes and on it. Like you you can't be distracted with anything else. Yeah, Nelson, you touched on something I was gonna say also when you said strategy, and I'll take it a step further. This is the only league where I mean we all know where we want to set up KDS wise, but this is the only league in my opinion for me 
that I sit down and strategize based on who's in the league, trying to figure out, okay, Mike Edelman's a zero RB guy. I know he wants to go to the back end. I know this player, based on his drafts, what I've seen, wants to go in the front. A couple of these guys in the Where do I want to try and position myself? Because I know in the second round, this player and this player is going to want this guy and this guy. So I want to get on the outside. Just There was a 100 things going through my brain as I sat down to set up my KDS. And we'll get into all this as we go through the draft board. But this is the one draft you sit down because there's no holes at the table. There's 12 sharp drafters, 12 of the best drafters there are. And you got to try and think about what their strategies are and how they like to usually play the game based on their history, based on what you've seen during the the you know, the online championship season and try and say, all right, this is the way I think I'm going to be able to build my best build from this position on the draft board based on where these guys are going to be sitting at at the table. So there's so much that goes into it. Um, Hopefully I didn't go too deep there, but those are things that go through my brain when I'm, when I'm entering the New York super. That's funny that you mentioned that as far as like, you know, because obviously you can set your KDS and where you want to draft from, and it, it brings the conversation that Theo and I had was, okay, where do we want to draft from? And we both agreed, let's just go to the middle because there's, there's a player there. There's a couple of players there that we don't mind starting off our draft with. And then mm-hmm. from there, we'll just go with it. But right. the key was for Theo and I was let's not go to the ends. Let's not go after like a McCaffrey or a Taylor or go to the back end and, and see like what comes to us because, you know, we didn't want to get caught up in, in like those runs when there's like a run out of position or whatever. We just wanted it to be right in the middle where we, you know, potentially we could pick off someone that, you know, falls a little too far, but for the most part, we just felt like in the middle was like our comfort zone in that type of draft. Yeah. And we figured we, we figured that's what I was going to say too. Same thing. We figured we'd have a choice there, but uh, let's let's get the, the board up so we can start talking about it. Um, mm-hmm. Because we we draft. Actually, let me uh, let me fix this, guys. Sorry, sorry. Maybe we get JD uh, JD in here to, to fix the, the uh, <laughs> board real quick. JD is uh, the board master. JD is definitely the board master. There okay, JD helped out. Awesome. So, can you guys see the board? Yeah, we can go full screen. I have okay. the board in front of me, so I'm good. Yeah, awesome. So, um, anybody following along, Nelson and I are in the seven hole. Um, and like Nelson um, discussed, Nelson was spot on. We 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 considered Saquon Barkley when we set our KDS, and we considered Stefan Diggs. Um, mm-hmm. We also thought Nelson made the comment that someone's going to push Saquon Barkley up in this format. Um, much higher than we see in, in regular NFFC leagues. And Nelson, as always, when it comes to things, all things fantasy, Nelson was correct because uh, Chris Vaccaro was drafted in the five hole uh, and went with Saquon Barkley. Uh, Chris, maybe you could talk a little bit about that. And uh, you, you tweeted out a little note, Saquon, no matter what. This is your flag plant. Talk about it. Uh, that's exactly it, Theo. That's my flag plant. I'm all in this year. Um, you know, I own a ton of Barkley. I think it all comes together. It's the second year off of the major injury. Uh, I love what I see, all the video clips. I like how they're rebuilding the offensive line. 
Uh, Theo, I came on your show uh, about a month ago and and you asked me about Saquon Barkley and I didn't want to tip my hand too much we, at that we time. We specifically asked you, we specifically asked you, you if you're going to hop Eckler because um, he seemed like to have the steam and we thought, we said maybe, yeah. you know, Chris, 110, 109 mm -hmm. and you're like, I don't think he's going to hop Eckler. Well, he hopped Eckler. He hopped Eckler in this one. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and I don't have a problem with Eckler this year. I mean, a lot of I've gotten some questions about why not Eckler over Barkley. I have Eckler as my fourth running back uh, ranked. I have Barkley as my third, and um, you know, I wanted to put myself right in that five, six, seven range in this draft, guys. And you mentioned the two names that I'm was going to go after. I would have been satisfied starting my draft right in that range with either Barkley or Diggs, and. Um, <clears throat> You know, that five spot usually is reserved for cup and chase, right? <clears throat> but I, I said to myself, if Barkley is there at five, which I assumed he would be for me, that's it. I'm not playing any games. This is, uh, you know, this is the New York Super. That's my main guy this year, and that's who I'm going to bat with. If I lose this league and, uh, you know, I want to do it with my guys, and Barkley is my main guy this year. And um, I'm all in. So at five, I knew all week long, as soon as I got that fifth spot, it was Barkley. Um, no, I love it. And it's get your guys and it's mm -hmm. setting your KDS in a place you knew you knew you would get him. Um, I think it would have been a little more of a risk if you went a little lower. Um, and I think, I mean, I respect you a lot for that. And we, we sort of made the same pick the next morning at the 106. Um, mm -hmm. So we're, we're with you on that. But Nelson, we took Stefan Diggs. And this has been a guy that you've been drafting consistently um, this offseason. Um, I know you've taken him many times over, uh, and he's a guy that you've spoken extremely highly of. Maybe you could talk a little bit about Diggs. Um, I mean, I, I love him this year. I took him in a draft with Billy Muzio last night as well uh, from the four hole. So we're, we're really aggressively getting him as well. Um, what are your thoughts on Diggs and kind of his ceiling this season? I mean, I, I think his ceiling is wide receiver one um, in fantasy. And I don't think that's like too far fetched, you know, considering he, he's tied to, you know, arguably the best quarterback in the league. And it's a pass heavy system. And he's got now a guy in Gabe Davis that um, I actually, I like that, you know, he's starting to develop and just to keep defenses honest and and not um, roll coverage so much over to Diggs. Um, I know last year there's probably some people that are down on him a little bit, uh, feeling that he had an off year and, you know, he, he ended up having a – when you look at the stats, it's a really good year uh, for someone that you kind of were disappointed in a little bit. But he also had suffered a, an injury during the season where he was a little banged up there for a little while. I'm not sure if that affected him or whatever, but um, I'm just I'm I just think he's like a rock solid, you know, guy to you know foundation piece in the first round to start your draft with. Yeah. I, you know, I put him right up there with you know, you know Jefferson's elite. Cooper Cup had a monster season, but and you know Chase obviously great year, but like I put Diggs right you know right up there with him. Yeah, and. I think, you know, especially in the NFFC uh, format, um, when you take a – when you pass on digs, um, there's a chance that there's a, a real wide receiver run um, where you might not have a guy that you think could hit that wide receiver one overall out, outcome. Um, so I think taking him is – it's 
somewhat of a, of a safe approach. It kind of keeps you wide open for what you could do in the second round. Um, yeah. Yeah. He's, 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 I'm really high on him. Um, and I, maybe I need to, to, to cool it a little bit um, this next week. Cause I'm, I now am very, very invested in Saquon. I mean, in Stefan Diggs. the rest of the, the first round kind of goes as expected. Um, we see Michael Edelman at the turn go Devonte Adams and CeeDee Lamb. Maybe Adams went a little bit lower in this league than we've seen the rest of the weekend. Um, and then Nelson, we came back around um, when we went with Michael Pittman. Um, we'd also considered Tyree Kill and AJ Brown there. Um, maybe you could talk about your thoughts on that pick and what it did for us uh, structurally and your expectations for Pittman. Uh, you know, I think it was it was actually we were thinking Pittman or Tyreek, but we gave some thought to Joe Mixon uh, also and just starting off balance. But I think really what we were debating was behind us, other than Edelman, it, it started off running back heavy. Uh, so if you look, teams 8 through 11 started with two running backs. So we know with this being third-round reversal, okay, those teams are going to pick before us in the third round and 100% because, you know, most of those guys, all of those guys know what they're doing in, in the, in the back end, they're going to go wide receiver. So that's really what it came down to was that, you know, let's just go with Pittman, start off with two wide receivers, you know, because, you know, the, the teams, you know, teams one through six, they were going to take some wide receivers. And then, like I said, the back half there, we're going to go wide receiver. Um, and then we, we could, you know, potentially get a running back to fall to us, which we did. Um, or we could just continue that run and take a third wide receiver. I was comfortable, you know, going that route. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think that like having a Pittman um, with digs, you know, gives us potential for two top five wide receivers this year, which could really be a leg up. Um, Chris, you, you planted kind of another flag, um, you went with Portland Sutton, uh, and you went with Sutton ahead of Tyree kill, um, ahead of AJ Brown, um, and ahead of Debo Samuel, three guys that often go ahead of him, um, in these NFC formats, maybe what propelled you to go Sutton there? And was it, was it like a Sutton no matter what, or did you give consideration to anybody around him? No, it definitely did. Um, you know, I was in that area right there, 20th overall. Um, you know, I was hoping as the drift started, but I knew, you know, how high you guys are on Pittman that I probably wasn't going to get him. That would have been my ideal start was Barkley and Pittman out of that range. But I just, um, you know, Sutton, just like we talked about with Saquon earlier, <clears throat> Sutton's my guy. That's my flag plant this year. Um, I do like AJ Brown a lot. I am not in on Tyreek Hill. So Hill wasn't an option for me. So once you guys come around and take Pittman, uh, it's between Sutton and AJ Brown for me in that area. And in this league, like I said, it's a standalone league. I'm taking my guy. I'm not going down with, with, uh, you know, anybody else. So if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but you know, Barkley Sutton, those are, that's my top running back, top receiver, uh, you know, that I'm pushing up. And that's the way I started the draft. I think you guys do a great job there with, and anybody that starts off in the mid rounds uh, in the middle of the first round with a wide receiver. And I think that's what we're seeing in drafts this whole weekend. And what we'll see going forward is you can adjust off the big time receiver, whether it's 
Chase or Diggs or Devontae in that 8, 9, 10 range or Lamb. Uh, you know, that second round from the 13th overall pick to 19th overall, you can always get that solid bell cow back. So you could go either which way, or if you want to go receiver, receiver, if a Pittman, A.J. Brown, Tyreek Hill, if those are your guys, you could go receiver, receiver. It just makes it a little tougher when you start off with a running back. Uh, then you kind of, you know, it's tough to pull off a running back, running back uh, from the back end, in my opinion, right now. So, um, you know, and just to touch on Edelman real quick, he, you know, he hit the nuts, in my opinion, um, you know, at the back end, because you don't see Adams last until 12 in a lot of these drafts. So for him in this league to pull off Adams and Lamb, that's a pretty special start for him. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was the it was the swift going where he went um, and then. You know, Glenn being being big on Najee Harris this weekend kind of allowed for for Adams to slip, yeah. and I also think the fact that Eckler slipped back um, also maybe did that because I, I wonder um, if Eddie would have gone Adams at the eight over Eckler if he had that you know if Eckler wasn't there. So yeah. that was interesting, um, and I, I really like what what uh, Michael did with uh, Kyle Pitts as well. Um, he just kept the foot on the gas. Um, but when we came around to our pick, Nelson, uh, we were happy to see Travis Etienne available. Uh, we could have gone with another wide receiver, but he kind of stood out there as a guy with a lot of upside. We really like the talent uh, and his potential as a receiving back in that backfield as well. Do you think the community is kind of the, maybe the last few weeks, there's been a little less steam on Etienne and, and you think it's incorrect? Uh, I'm not going to say it's incorrect, but I, I definitely think that I I've, I mean, I've seen enough drafts now that you might get in a draft with one or two guys that are high on ETN and they'll push him up to the second round. But for the most part, he's been kind of living in the third round. I like it, you know, because I'm high on ETN. So I feel like I can, you know, build some teams from the back end, you know, possibly starting two wide receivers and then ETN. Um, you know, as far as being incorrect to correct, you know, we're, we're going to find out, but I think it has a lot to do with, you know, James Robinson and the coach saying that he's going to be ready for week one. So I think a lot of people are looking at it as it potentially could be a committee uh, backfield there. And I just think that, you know, the kid has enough talent that he's, he's a better player than James Robinson and he's, you know, good in the passing game and, and everything. And, you know, during the preseason, he looked pretty dynamic um, with some of his runs. And I like, too, that uh, some of the runs, not everything was designed outside. Uh, a lot, a couple of his runs were in between the tackles, and he looked good doing it. So that's, you know, I, I think that he's a fine pick there. I think when you push him up to the second round and then to want to be able to have some exposure to him and having to push him up, uh, makes it a little trickier because you got to be on the front end unless you want to just jump them over everybody um, on the back end. I think being in the third round is is nice right now. Yeah, and it, yeah. I think structurally he made a ton of sense after our wide receiver wide receiver start. Um, I think you know in the morning if we when we were talking we absolutely would have taken a Diggs Pittman ETN start. So I was happy with that. Um, Chris, you went DJ Moore. Um, and then we see, you know, the 
this the basically the third round and the fourth round, the wide receivers get really cleaned up. Oh, yeah. um, were you happy to get DJ Moore right there? Oh, yeah, thrilled. Uh, I would have been happy with DJ Moore, Allen Robinson there. And that's just part of being where you are on the board. You know, I'm comfortable starting off with the running back at five because I know I'm set up nicely. I'm going to get, a, a, you know, a receiver, a solid number two receiver and a solid number three receiver at 32 and 41 overall, just based on how the board shakes up right now, you know. Um, it's when you're at the back end in that nine through 12 range that you're holding on for dear life, especially in a league full of sharks where, you know, the third and fourth round, the turn is going to be all yellow. And this didn't change. I think we all caught a little bit of a break in terms of, you know, having the yellow drop a little more to us based on Saxton's turn uh, at the three, four turn. Uh, you're, you're seeing Chubb and Connor fall a little bit more, but he takes two running backs there and, for all of us that are looking to build heavy receivers in these three, four, and five uh, rounds, we take a little bit of a, a deep breath right there. We say, okay, now we could get somebody. Uh, DJ Moore, Allen Robinson right there is a perfect number two for my build uh, in, in that third round. And then coming around, uh, I land my guy in the mid-fourth uh, in Bateman. So I know based on my build that I was starting one running back, and you know we'll get into it as we go through these rounds, but I really wanted to start four receivers right after that in the second through fifth rounds and possibly even the sixth round and, and try and hit on my RB2 a little later on. But, you know, you can never – you know, these drafts change by the pick. And, um, you know, I had to adjust my strategy after these uh, two rounds. But I was really, really happy after I got my guy Sutton to get Moore and Bateman as my two and three. The same way I'm sure you guys were happy with your third and fourth rounds because you guys had a really solid first four rounds as well. Yeah, it goes DJ Moore, Mike Williams, Allen Robinson. Then Gabe Davis sneaks into the third round. Um, He's sort of been living in this range all weekend long. Uh, He's got a lot of steam. Uh, then we see Andy Saxon go running back, running back. I, for me, if he wants to go running back there, I think I would have gone with one of them, not both of them, because um, I, I think it was hard to cover up at wide receiver. Um, then Waddle, ARSB to Billy Wazowski. Uh, Deontay Johnson goes to, to Zuka. And then it comes back around and you get Rashad Bateman. I thought that was a great pick, uh, Chris. Mm-hmm. I think we would have taken him if he was there. Um you were you were happy to get Bateman? Is there somebody you wish would have fallen to you instead of him? No. As a matter of fact, I was thrilled with that turn because I'm I'm not in on any of those guys right before me. I'm not in on Waddle. I'm not in on St. Brown, and I'm not in on DJ, uh, Deontay Johnson. So when that turn came, I'm holding my breath because uh, I know Chris Eibel uh, right next to me was, you know, was crushed. Uh, Bateman was his guy. Uh, I'll, I'll assume you guys like Bateman as well, uh, yeah. you know, based on seeing a lot of your drafts. I know that Bateman's a guy. And, uh, you know, that was my that was my pick. If I could have planned out my first four rounds, I said that was it right there, you know, to to a T. Yeah, it definitely looks great. Um, and then you were able to correlate him a little later with um, Lamar Jackson, which is also mm-hmm. a very nice pick. Uh, Nelson, we went Hollywood Brown. Um Maybe talk a little bit about Hollywood Brown and how it potentially influenced our next pick as well. Um, I, I think Hollywood Brown was kind of like the next guy in our uh, in our rankings. Um, you know, he's tied to a 
good quarterback, good offense, um, you know, should start off the year with a lot of targets with Hopkins being out for the first six weeks. And I'm not really, you know, a McLaren guy. I know you're, you're not either. Um, and then, you know, the, the rest of the guys, I I just think that he kind of stuck out, uh, to us. And then when it came back around, um, it's funny just the way how it worked, but when it came back around, um, we didn't want Kirk with ETN uh, just to have two Jacksonville Jaguars together on, on the same team. I don't mind doing that with two players from like elite offenses, but you know, like you and I talked at the draft table, it's kind of like, you know, Hey, Jacksonville's not in that category just yet. So let's not, uh, let's not do that. And we went Hopkins with the thought that, you know what, we'll just go Kyler Murray and just make this an Arizona stack because you and I are both high on, on Murray. And when it got to our sixth pick, I'm going a little ahead, but it was, that was kind of like the whole strategy behind it. And then we didn't pull it off. And it was one of those things where you're trying to read the room and you're trying to figure out, okay, we want to get our RB two, and because it is a confined league. So that's the other thought too, was you got to change your strategy a little bit from a tournament style drafting to, you know, confined league. And we don't have to be so aggressive. We can be a little bit more conservative. And that was the deal was, okay, we still have a couple of quarterbacks on the board. Is there a chance that, you know, some of these teams, like the the teams that started running back heavy, I don't, I didn't figure them to take a quarterback, especially with Lowy already having Josh Allen and Edelman had started wide receiver heavy. And I thought there was a chance that he would try to go and and take two running backs there at that turn. And maybe, and since he had pits already, so it's like you go zero running back, you take pits, you know, it's hard to take a quarter, an elite quarterback with that type of build. I, so I was thinking, you know what, he might go two running backs. So let's go ahead and take Chase Edmonds, who we both like a lot and just gamble, you know, take the chance that Murray comes back. And he has, like in a lot of prime times, Murray has been there in the seventh round in the middle. So mm-hmm. that was kind of like the strategy of, you know, let, let's see if we can finesse him uh, to the seventh round, but let's get our RB too. Yeah, and it was, it was a difficult one, uh, especially because we were in on, you know, Brown and Hopkins. But I think it's kind of like, you know, we, we dared Edelman to kind of make the choice, and he did. Uh, he took Kyler Murray, but it wasn't the end of the world because we were also really high on Jalen Hurts, um, who we will come back to. Um, we're we're reaching 1240, and Nelson and I draft at, at 1 o'clock in an ultimate. So, Chris, why don't we go ahead and you can kind of – could you go through maybe the first 10 rounds and kind of talk about your guys and, and the team you built? And then Nelson will do the same. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, so we leave off with, at Bateman. Now, just real quick, when I draft a team like Sutton uh, in the second, Bateman in the fourth, uh, and and you guys take Hollywood Brown, like I said, those are those are three of my favorite. Uh, well, Bateman and Brown are a couple of my favorites because it sets up a couple rounds later. I have an option to go with a Lamar to hook up with Bateman. I have a, an option to go with Kyler 
to hook up with Hollywood Brown. And I like I'm in on Russ. So if when I take Sutton or Judy in the fourth, that's my other quarterback. I can pair up. So when I'm taking these three favorite receivers of mine in that range, I always have the option a couple rounds later to hook them up with quarterbacks I like. So um, we get to that fifth round, guys, and we come around and I have my three receivers in my bag. Right. And I want to take I'm, I'm holding my breath for uh, Christian Kirk. OK, as a four. Do I am I obsessed with Christian Kirk? No. But I think Christian Kirk is a really solid number four receiver that I could take on this type of build. Uh, he goes right before me. And I'm not in love with any of these receivers after, or at least I think I could snatch up one of them on the comeback. So I immediately flip to the last big running back of a tier that I have in, in my rankings, and that's A.J. Dillon. So I say to myself, okay, let's flip it to A.J. Dillon. Let's pair him with Barkley, and I have a nice one-two combo um, you know, with the three receivers locked up. And after that, I come back around and – Again, it's the same thing at the quarterback position. Uh, you know, I have Lamar as a top three ranked quarterback. And in a standalone league, I, I want the elite quarterback even more, um, you know. Uh, so and then the caveat, again, is I have Bateman. So I have a hookup there. Um, I take Lamar, um, which I think was other than Murray and Hertz, the, the last of, you know, a bigger top five, top six tier. And I'm happy with the team so far. I think this is where the strategy really started playing in in my build was these two rounds. And then when you come all the way back around and you look through this draft, uh, I know we had talked about it the night of the draft, but uh, seventh round. This is where it starts to get a little bit in your head now with these drafts that we see the prime times and everything. This is when the cliffs really starts to fall off at the wide receiver position, you know, I have a, a solid RB2 in Dylan. I have my elite quarterback. And I have a choice with Darren Waller on the board to go an elite tight end. But I say to myself, all right, I see the way these drafts are playing out. What's left at the receiver position? And Chris Olave, who would be the last receiver in my book to be a, um, you know, a solid flex play in wide receiver four, I don't want to risk losing him. And he's going in these, you know, early 80s now. We saw it all weekend long. So if I take Darren Waller, I say to myself, I'm not going to like my fourth wide receiver in this build. So what I do is I make that decision to pass on uh, the top five elite tight end in Waller and try and build out my wide receiver room. And that's what I did with these next two picks with Olave and, and Nico Collins, who I might have moved up a little bit. But I wanted to look at my team at the end of the day and say, OK, I have a solid fourth and fifth receiver that I could play with each uh, week and then just try and pump the tight end position and aim for a Cole Komet, uh, which was my target who I have as a top 10, 10 tight end. And I, uh, I thought I could move him up a little bit and land him and be happy with the team. And uh, that's what I did here. No, I really like, I really like your build a lot. Um, it's difficult to say like who has the best build because none of them look as good as you see in like some prime times. Cause it's so well drafted. But I, I really like what you did. Um, I love the Olave pick. And I like your – just the, not we're not really going to go into the next round so much. We don't really have the time. But mm -hmm. I really love your Michael Carter pick and your upside pick of Alec Pierce, um, especially where you took him right after Paris Campbell to Chris Eibel, which uh, was, it, was, a, was an interesting one. Yeah. Um, Nelson, I, I love our Chase Edmonds pick, even though we didn't get Kyler Murray. 
I think Edmonds gives us potential top 15 running back this year uh, to go with ETN, and it worked pretty well for our structure. But we came back and we were able to get Jalen Hurts, and then we were able to pair him up with Dallas Goddard. Maybe you can your expectations for both of those guys briefly. Yeah, I mean, Goddard is hasn't put up the numbers that a Waller, Waller or Kittle have put up, but I have him like right there in that tier um, for those tight ends. So I think he's got a lot of upside with uh, Zach Ertz gone. They've got Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown um, on the outside. It's going to be tough for teams to really like focus on Goddard. So I feel like he's going to be running free this year. So he's like that – He's that one guy that I think goes like in the mid range of tight ends that has the potential this year to like move way up. And, you know, at the end of the season, we're talking about him in the same category as like a Kelsey Andrews and Pitts. Yeah. I think he's the last tight end drafted that has a chance at tight end one overall. Um, It's going to, a lot of things are going to have to break his way, but he's, he's a tremendously talented guy. Um, And then, Nelson, you draft, you've been drafting Darrell Henderson and talking about him a lot. Chris, you have as well. Um, maybe talk a little bit about that pick. Um, and then how high do we think Darrell Henderson will be drafted after the Thursday night game, guys? You want to go Chris or me? You, you go uh, first. Nelson, that's your guy, my man. Yeah. So you yeah. got to – you got to – that's on you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I have a feeling that, you know, Henderson's going to be more involved than – than most people think. And I'm trying to acquire him in drafts uh, prior to the Thursday night game, because I think after the Thursday night game, there's, you know, a possibility of whether what he shows you on the field or his production, um, he could move up in drafts come Friday and Saturday. So, you know, it's a little bit of a gamble. Um, It could also be a total face plant where, you know, Thursday comes and he doesn't do much against the Buffalo defense and he actually becomes cheaper in, in drafts. But I, I just think that he's going to be more involved uh, than people think. I, I think there's, um, you do know, you see it as a 50, 50 split uh, Nelson. Is that how you're, you're thinking this out with your Henderson? Cause you know, that's one of the things I wanted to ask you personally was, you know, you are the Henderson guy at this point after the New York City drafts. You you that is your guy. Um, you, you've taken him everywhere. I think I stole him once on you guys in the classic. That was a team that I built uh, with Akers, who I'll touch on in a second. But is that how you're seeing it, Nelson? You think it maybe is like a 50 50 split that we see to open the season? I think 50 50 split with Henderson handling the passing down work. OK. Now, to follow up, and I know we're pressed for time, Theo, but I I am of the opinion that I think the Cam Akers hate has gone way too far and that, you know, we have to remember in all of July and early August, Cam Akers was a third round, late third round pick, early fourth round pick. And then, you know, the news comes that he's going to miss out on a couple of weeks and this guy falls into the eighth and ninth rounds of drafts. And I don't know if the industry as a whole and, and even us high stakes drafters has been able to replace this guy correctly on draft boards right now, even as these main events and supers and ultimates have started, because we're still seeing him fall into the seventh, eighth and ninth rounds and he's back at practice. So what's changed in the last month to make this guy go from a third rounder to an eighth rounder? I just see some value right now in Cam Cam Akers. 
That's an interesting question. I, I think I think just him being out for those couple of weeks, because uh, it was like two plus weeks he was out with a right. hamstring injury. So I think that pumped the brakes a, a little bit on, you know, people being pro Cam Akers. And then even with him back to practice, I think why he's falling in drafts, and it, it depends on the draft because I see him sometimes go in the fifth round. Uh, but I, I see him like you, you know, he'll go in, in the seventh round. I think people just, they're, it's the uncertainty. So they just don't know what to do with Acres. So they're on the clock and it's like Acres is there and they haven't seen him play. The last time they saw him play, he didn't look good, you know, in the playoffs. He was injured. And I think that's what it is. Like, it's just uncertainty and they just let him go and pat, yeah. pass on him. I also think that there has been a rise with A.J. Dillon, Chase Edmonds, Damian Pierce, Ramondre Stevenson, and those guys have the juice right now, and they're rising at the same time that J.K. Dobbins, Elijah Mitchell, um, Antonio Gibson's a little different, but he's you know he fell as well, um, and then Cam Akers. So I think that there's it's almost like a replacement level into the dead zone to like the lower part of the dead zone. Yeah. So I think some of those guys having juice did the, did the same thing. Um, I mean, well, even look at this in, in our New York Super seventy one overall. He almost makes it to the eighth round, and, yeah. and Lowy scoops him up right before the turn there, which I'm sure Edelman was dying to get his hands and take a shot on a Cam Akers with the build that he has. I mean, that's just perfect. If you could come into, uh, you know, if you could come into that turn and take a shot on a Cam Akers who could touch the ball 15, 20 times a, a game in, in a good offense. Uh, you know, I'm sure he was one pick away from completing that dream. I well, just think that I just think the hate's gone a little too far. And as an industry, maybe we haven't been able to replace this guy correctly. Well, we're going to know a lot more about the Los Angeles backfield and uh, the Buffalo backfield um, after, after Thursday night's game. I think it'll be very tilting for a lot of drafters. Mm -hmm. um, well, we're going to wrap this one up, and uh, you're, we're actually going to have Chris's partner, uh, Nando Dufino, is going to be joining JD on Wednesday night at 8.15 for the first of many GOAT District tailgates where they're going to preview the weekend's games, preview the Thursday night game, uh, and maybe each make a couple of bold predictions on the season. Uh, I thank you both uh, a lot for your time. I don't mean for such a short uh, wrap-up. But Nelson and I are ready to go back at it in in, uh, in seven minutes. Um, <laughs> Drafting always comes first, boys. Yeah, a hundred percent. Chris, I hope you run pure for the rest of your drafts. Um, and Nelson, I hope we run really pure in about seven minutes. Uh, <laughs> enjoy, enjoy your holiday, fun. everyone. And yeah, good luck, guys. Take right. care. All right.